This is the Punk and Piledrivers Podcast with your host, Big Bad Boris. Welcome, my friends, to the latest edition of the Punk and Piledrivers Podcast on the Love Wrestling Podcasting Network. My name is Big Bad Boris, and joining me this week is a man... Uh, a legend in the uh, the Western Canadian wrestling scene, uh, a man who puts the E in entertainment, Hollywood Dusty Adonis, HDA. What the hell's going on, man? Well, there's a lot going on in my life these days, I'll tell you, Big Bad Boris. And it starts <laughs> tonight being a special guest on Pumpkin Pile Drivers, one of my all-time favorite podcasts. Well, I appreciate that. Now, no word of a lie. You just told me before we we uh, we started recording here that you are on location live from your bathtub. Yes, uh, for all those who know me and maybe some that don't, I'm a huge bubble bath enthusiast, and uh, I do a lot of bubble baths, and uh, I do a lot of podcasts too. This is the second one I've done in the podcast, so uh, if you hear a little bit of water splashing around, don't be alarmed. Now, a bubble bath enthusiast, like how many bubble baths a week are we talking about here? Uh, well, we actually, where I live, I live on an acreage, so you actually have to haul water. So it's not as much as I'd like it oh, to be. Shit. Probably three. So like, where, where do you haul water from? I don't understand. There's that. a spring, like you have a truck and a trailer and a big tank on it and you drive to the spring and then it has a pump and you pump the water in your truck and then you drive back home. And you drive back, get usually four loads, fill your cistern for a month. Okay, I see. That's old school. That's some old school shit. No, that's just normal life on the small town Saskatchewan. All right, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, I want to talk, I got a whole ton of things that I want to talk to you about. uh, But I want to kind of start really, really quickly, just give a bit of a history lesson of kind of how you broke into the business when you first started watching wrestling, when you first started training. Give us like the the Hollywood Dusty Adonis uh, uh, history lesson, the brief history of HDA. I'll give you a brief history, Boris. I was a huge wrestling fan growing up my whole life, just loved wrestling Ate, slept, and breathed wrestling, collected all the action figures, never missed a Monday Night Raw, pay-per-view, a Nitro. All I wanted to ever do with my life was become a wrestler. So I moved to Calgary after I graduated, and uh, I really couldn't find a place to wrestle. I didn't have the 3,000 to go to the Stampede School, and, and all of a sudden, I moved to a new area in Calgary and I was working out at the gym and this guy named the Highlander was a trainer there and actually he made the shakes at the shake bar protein shake bar and he said yeah I was telling him that I wanted to be a wrestler he said well he wouldn't believe it but there's a wrestling school just opened up a block away and I only lived like I swear 100 yards from this gym so it was like two blocks from my house on the native reserve there in Calgary and uh so Ali Farhat he owned this uh warehouse and had two wrestling rings in it and Stampede had relocated there so they were training people there and Bad News Brown was training people there and Ali was training there and I went and watched all the different camps and and uh anyways uh, I never missed I just would go and watch it and one day Bad News Allen just said hey do you want to train and I was like Yep, it's like seventy five dollars a month, and I was like, "Well, that's 
a little more affordable than the 30 grand mm-hmm. up front parts. So I took that and, uh, well, really the rest is history. I mean, uh, even just before that, like I would go there every night and just kind of train on my own. If these other guys would just show up, like big Raj was always there, AKA Jinder Mahal and, uh, another guy named Skyler Swain, who ended up being a referee, Ruby school, Ruby Goldstein and, or, uh, he wrestled as El Blanco Negro Dragon. So I wrestled with those guys quite a bit, even before I actually trained. But then I started training with bad news and then trained for like maybe three months. And then I was like, uh, I went to uh stampede was running shows. I think at that time, almost every Friday, if not every second Friday. And so I went there one night saying, cause they, they always say how hard it is to, to get into a wrestling. So I went there and asked to be a ref and Ted Hart was supposed to wrestle the night against Gamma Singh Jr. And he didn't show up of course. And so I, uh, Bruce asked me to wrestle instead of ref, and I was like super nervous. But it was against Gamma Singh, and I trained with Gamma Singh Junior, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the rest is history. So the first match was against Gamma Singh Junior. What what venue was that? Was that at the at the the Ogden, Ogden Legion? Ogden Legion, yeah, yeah, okay. And and how did that go? I mean, Gamma, a uh, great guy, oh, great so- talent. Did he take good care of you? Oh yeah, I was super nervous and stuff. So yeah, he took care of me. He was just a typical Gamma squash match, you know. You <laughs> use all his finishers. He can he can on me, and it was awesome though. Like he took good care of me, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And it, it was weird because the crowd actually got behind me, and I was like, like I was in the crowd for like three months, and they didn't never get behind anybody leading up to it. So I don't know what I had that anybody else didn't have. It was good action. It was fun. What name did you work under that first match? Well, that was that was kind of the funny thing is that uh, before they they said you need to have a wrestling name, and I was like, oh, I don't know what I, I don't know what I should be, but I always had this. Uh, I always kept in my like in my training gear uh, a Hollywood. I always kind of wanted to be the name Hollywood, so I always I had this Hulk Hogan Hollywood Hulk Hogan costume from like the nineties. <laughs> okay, when he was in the NWO there and. I always kept that because I always wanted to be like this name Hollywood. And so I always kept in the bag. So I was going to be Hollywood Dusty something. I just didn't know what his last name. Bruce was like, what do you want your last name to be? And I was like, I don't know. And then I thought I always wanted to be kind of play this androg- androgynous kind of, you know, character, just a little bit uh, flamboyant. I think I see where this is going. And so I was like, Adonis, Adrian Adonis. Exactly. At that night, and I was like, I'll be Hollywood Dusty Adonis. And so I came over as Hollywood Dusty Adonis. That's oh. that's name came from. But the next week, I had to wrestle again, unfortunately, against Kid Nichols. That's a, oh, that was, yeah, yeah, I'll see. But when I came <laughs> over, they announced me, they announced me as Dusty Malibu. And it's like I came out to surf in USA and I was like, what the heck? So then after the match. The two Rajas and me went to Bruce and were like, this ain't working out. Like, he ain't Dusty Malibu. Because that was Bruce's ribs. Like, any new talent came in, they were a Malibu or something. Oh, okay, that makes we sense. Said, Bruce, this is, they They said, no, he's an Adonis, and Bruce went with it. So then after that, I was an Adonis from then on out. Who else was training with you uh, uh, at the school at the time? Like, anybody else we would know well, that's kind just of... Just the two big Rajas, or, yeah, big Raj, which is Jinder Mahal and then Gamma St. Jr. And then there's quite a bit of training as well. And then Skyler, a Blanco Negro Dragon. 
but nobody else. How long so were can... you living in Calgary before you went back to Saskatchewan? Because oh. I had no idea you even lived in Calgary, but maybe I'm just bad at history. I lived in Calgary from 2001 to 2009. 10. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> 10 years. Were yeah. you born and raised in Saskatchewan, though? I was. I was born and raised in Eston, Saskatchewan. Good old Eston. Now, uh, you kind of came onto my radar, and I, I met you and got to know you uh, in PWA. How how did you get involved in PWA? Uh, well, that was PWA was quite a big thing back in those days. So Stampede kind of ended. Uh, there was a big falling out with Bruce and the talent at the end of, uh, maybe it was in the spring or whatnot. And PWA is when everyone was going up to Edmonton to wrestle at the time. And yeah. both were big stars there with the crotchy bikes. And they told Kurt, now oh, we got this guy. We want to come up. And they had this big cruiserweight battle royal. So I came up and I did whatever and wrestled in it. And then the next month they brought me back in like a triple threat match with Pete Wilson and Brady Roberts at the time. And I think I had a good match and impressed them. And then they started using me every really every month after that so and these were, were nate, nate shows right we were still yeah. oh, at that time uh, what an amazing facility that was yeah i remember you and i had a very brief encounter in the ring in a in a battle royal you threw me out of a battle royal do you remember that yeah yeah oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> i broke my hand in that battle royal you broke your hand how did you do that well actually i was in a well, i was in two matches that night i was in a cruiserweight title match with pete wilson and uh, <laughs> it's funny. I broke Pete Wilson's hand, and he broke my hand. And uh, yeah, he went to uh, do his flipping kick thing, and I blocked with my hand in front of my forehead instead okay. of the side of my face. So just the pressure of his foot kicking my hand into my skull, forehead, just made a yeah, broke my hand. Anyways, so we had to go back to it was the. I'll never forget it. Yeah, we drove back to Calgary and I had to sit in the hospital, the Rocky Mountain Hospital, till like five in the morning before they took me. Yeah. And uh, the Olympics were on. I think it's when like Sweden played Finland in the final gold medal game. So I watched that in the lobby of the hospital, Rocky Mountain View Hospital by myself. It's quite a. And then they brought me in. They said, What color cast do you want? And I said, Well, do you know me? There's only <laughs> one color to choose from. Got to be purple. So I got a purple cast and they wrestled for, uh, with a purple cast. Happened to be the same time. Happened to be the same time as the women champion when I was the women's champion. So mm. we're doing well. I had no idea that you could pick your cast color. Oh yeah, they have all kinds of colors for you to choose from. So one of the things that I think stands out about you, and I've talked to other people, I remember uh, I talked to actually uh, Duke Durango about this as well, is you really grasp the the entertainment. Like always, you're always solid and good in the ring, but you really grasp that entertainment side of uh, of the business. Where do you think that that came from? I think just growing up, I was always a bit of a showman. I remember uh, even playing hockey growing up and. You know, I'd get hit from behind and I'd lay there on the ice for five minutes straight and I would and I would have the entire arena think that I was dead and I would just lay there motionless thinking everybody thought that my neck was broken and then all of a sudden when no and everybody in the arena thought there was no hope, I sat up like the undertaker and got <laughs> up there was nothing else and just skated off to the bench. And my team still got a five minute power play and I remember going on next shift and scoring a goal 
So I think the whole entertainment thing has always been in me. You know, I was a class clown in school, I think. And so for the most part, I've always been a showman. And I think uh, I always had a little bit of charisma. And uh, I think that's really been my calling card as a professional wrestler in a lot of ways. So you're even doing the hot comeback in minor hockey. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, wrestling uh, the females. It's kind of funny because, I mean, intergender wrestling now, it's it's pretty, uh, I don't want to say standard, but it's, it's it happens a lot and it's not really a big deal, or at least not to some people. But back when you kind of started doing that and becoming the women's champion, uh, it, it wasn't really happening. So almost a bit of a pioneer in that sense. I would think I'm certainly a pioneer in a lot of ways in the women's division. I know that there was a lot of times that other guys got to wrestle in Stampede Wrestling because really a lot of times there was only ever two wrestlers, Natty Neidhart and Belle Lovitz. And, I know yeah. there's, and there's others that have come through over the time. And I know that other guys got to wrestle girls long before I did, but Stampede kind of grew a little bit. And uh, when Bill Bell took it over, and uh, T.J. Wilson was booking it. It uh, it kind of really we started getting bigger crowds and stuff, and started having storylines that made a little more sense. And shows were functioning a lot better than the earlier Stampede days I was a part of. And uh, yeah, they just came up with this storyline, and uh, we just tried it one night in a I think it was like Didsbury because Bell hadn't showed up, so they had me wrestle Natty and. I think that the reaction of the crowd was so good and they just saw a chemistry between me and Natty. So then they went back to Calgary with this and then they had me actually win the belt. Well, I couldn't technically win, but I, I beat her and then I took the belt and declared myself mm -hmm. as the champion and just kind of ran with it weekly. You, you did that in PWA okay. as well, did you not? I never... I never really had a women's championship. When no, I was well, you, but you you did that that sort of gimmick where you wrestled the women in PWA. Yeah, uh, I went on this brief hiatus, Boris, actually. I went through a kind of a rough period in my life, and I took a few months off of wrestling. And, and uh, the, uh, yeah, so I was off, like, I had a retirement match against, Oh man, I think it was either Grizz or yeah, I think it was Grizz. Maybe he might have retired me in, in Stampede. Avery, yeah. and I was like, "What's yeah, Michael Avery?" And I was like, ah, "I'm not coming back. I don't know if I'll ever wrestle again." And then all of a sudden, I started getting the itch again. Dandy, Dandy, uh, you know Dandy, Dynamite Dandy. Yeah, he calls me the Terry Funk of Alberta. <laughs> I've had more retirements than anybody. He always says, but yeah, he. Anyways, uh, somebody was supposed to wrestle. It was the PWA anniversary show in March, and somebody was supposed to wrestle Veronica Vice, and they pulled out last minute. And uh, so Kurt Zorak had called me Sunday morning. I think I was on my way home from church, and he asked me to come in and wrestle Veronica Vice. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. But I, it was funny. The night before, I was had a bunch of friends over, and we were wrestling, and my brother was actually in town. We were wrestling. I pulled my groin just randomly wrestling my brother. So when I got to the menu, I got a pulled groin, and Christopher Daniels is on the show, eh? So he taped up my groin before this match. So if you watch that match, on it's on YouTube. It's got a couple hundred thousand views. You can see I've got bandages around my groin area because I'm in a Speedo. So I always thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah, that was my big wrestling girls match in PWA. 
I have another one against Maria Canales too, and it might have. I was even I, more, I was just even more. Say- 200,000 views. I those think are the highest you... views in PWA history with me versus Veronica and me versus uh, Maria Canales. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure you and Maria Canales is the PWA Wrestling CA YouTube uh, video with the highest number of views, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, this is a music podcast as well as a professional wrestling podcast. I like to have my guests pick a couple of tracks for us to feature uh, during the interview. Your first track you picked, uh, the track is Salvation by Rancid. Uh, tell us why you picked this one. Yeah, you know, I was the hugest punk rock fan in like grade 7 to 12. <laughs> I loved that alternative music and punk rock music. And I listened to, I remember going to Sam, the the record man and all those stores. And I was always a collector. Eh? I always wanted to buy and collect as much as possible. I remember always buying CDs and cassette tapes. And I just loved punk rock and I researched it and always found new bands. And then one day I always watched much music too, to find a lot of my music. And one day this video popped up salvation by rance and i was like rancid who is rancid <laughs> song salvation i was like and i heard it and i just it just hit me i just love that song and to this day i still love that song and it's my favorite rancid song they have a lot of good songs don't get me wrong and i just i just love punk rock music and this is the song i like and i hope you enjoy it too all right so this is salvation this is rancid on the punk and pot Evers podcast Show me what you got 
That is the first pick from Hollywood, Dusty Adonis. That is Salvation. That is Rancid on the Punk and Potterverse podcast. Uh, you went on a run for a while in PWA that was super, super entertaining, where you were kind of uh, taking on different personas of, of famous and popular wrestlers. There was uh, there was Magnum DA, there was the Ultimate Adonis, there was DA Punk. I'm sure there's a bunch more that I don't remember. Uh, do you is there a, a Dusty Angle? I think was one of them in there too, where you had the bald cap. Yeah, where did, where did that inspiration come from? Just just throwing ideas around and having fun. Well, it started in Stampede. I was in this rivalry with Michael Avery. It was like a best of seven series or something. It seemed like we were wrestling every week. And I was like, I just need to freshen this up. And, you know, he's beat me every match, but I always pulled out pulled out some stop, some cheating way to win. I was like, I need a tougher character. So I came up with Magnum DA. And so I wore like this flowery shirt and grew a mustache. and kind of like Magnum PI, I guess. And, and I had completely different gear and really... So I introduced that character. That was my first kind of character in, uh, and then there's yeah, a great picture of you on a on a PWA poster in your Magnum DA gimmick, one of the older ones. Yeah. I'll see if I can dig yeah, it up it was and tweet it. Out. I actually wasn't booked on that show, and oh. the only reason I booked on that show is because they used that picture. Michael Avery got that picture, and they're like, "Well, if we're going to use Dustin, we got to actually book him on the show." So I ended up wrestling Juggernaut on that show, and he we had an amazing match. Actually, I really loved it. And he actually shaved half my mustache off after that match. Oh, that's kind of... right. Yeah. But then the next, I was kind of getting into ROH. And then this is kind of how I was like, man, I want to be, I don't always want to be this Dusty and Dawes flamboyant character. I need to switch this up. And I was like, oh, this, I saw this Brian Danielson guy, American Dragon. I never heard. I was like, this guy does all kinds of cool stuff. I'm like, well, I can't do that kind of stuff as Dusty and Dawes. So I created this character, uh, I knew I was going to end up wrestling BVD and he was kind of a hick redneck kind of guy. I was like, I'm going to create this guy, Cowboy Dusty A. I'm going to shave the top of my head like a cul-de-sac, like a blackjack Lanza looking guy and grow these big chops. And uh, I'm going to have this guitar and I'm going to sing a song. Well, this was my gimmick. And I told Kirk, he's like, yeah, sure. Let's try it out. So I said, get me a guitar and I'm in the microphone in the ring and I'm going to sing Yankee Break Your Heart. But wouldn't you know it, this girlfriend of two and a half years at the time, the night before, dumps me. So I go to the next, I have to get up the next day and go to the wrestle and actually sing Achy Breaky Heart. And I actually had an Achy Breaky Heart. Art imitates life. Yeah. But I also had an amazing match with BVD. And uh, and after that, I became, I just started, I was like, now what can I do? And I became Hulk Hogan and Jake the Snake and, Kurt Angle and I did all these different characters and they were all a lot of fun and you know yeah, and I had a, a Hulk Hogan I, thing too. Great support right. system. I, there's this lady from uh, Kindersley named Lori Newfeld. I called her my wrestling mom. She made all my uh, my ring gear and I'm very fortunate to have her. I love her and uh, I'm very thankful that she was able to be there and my she was really my support system a lot in my wrestling career and she made all my tights so I. I wouldn't have been able to be all these different characters if I didn't have her making all my tights and all my, you know, all my gear for all the rest yeah, of the shows. You, so always, you always had uh, a really nice gear. You were King Dusty for a while too, were you not? I was. It just started out being just one for uh, the Fright Nights. Remember Fright Nights? They were always special. And then uh, I really, the King Dusty really thing just really hit off. So I just kind of went with the King Dusty thing. And then uh, somebody quit PWA and didn't want to be the cruiserweight champion anymore, jumped to another 
group and then Kirk's like, we want to put the belt on you, but we want you to be a baby face. So that kind of ended the King Dusty. I went back to being Hollywood and whatnot. And I, I've always evolved from being Hollywood. I wasn't the flamboyant guy anymore. I kind of evolved into just being a, just, just kind of an outgoing good guy, baby face, get the crowd into it, charismatic kind of guy. Uh, towards the end of your PWA run, you were also on a tag team with Dylan Knight as the Killer D's. Tell me a bit about how that came about. Oh, Kurt's like, oh, we don't really have anything for you. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I just don't really know what we should do. We were thinking, what if we put you and Dylan Knight as a tag team? I was like, well, I was always a huge Dylan Knight supporter. I always loved the guy. and I was like, I'll do it. Our names have to be the Killer D's. And you guys wow. had matching gear made too, did you not? Yeah, yeah, of course. Lori from Kennerson made this gear for me as well. And I was, because I was a huge Killer Beast fan. I always thought Killer Beast had the coolest tights. And I always thought if I was at a tag team, they got it. I wanted something like the Killer Beast. So we, and he was D and I was a D. So we became the Killer D's. And yeah, we got matching tights and they were sweet. And we had a, we had a good run. I think we were champions for about six months and wrestled Team Hall of Fame for about a, a year straight. And, uh, bunch of other tag teams as well it was fun it was a lot of fun now let's talk about something that you and i did together for a while that i thought was a lot of fun and was something kind of unique that pw had never done before we had a well you slash we had a talk show so the hollywood hot seat the hollywood i actually still have all those videos yeah and a lot of them are on youtube and i went back and watched quite a few and you did a, just an amazing job editing that, like the entrance, kind of like the song in the video before. It was really good. And that was a lot of fun. And I would say at the time, there was really maybe Colt Cabana was doing a podcast at the time. I don't, I can't quote that for sure. But there was not really podcasts at the time. There was not really interviews at the time. I think we originated and started something different than anybody else was doing and it was a lot of fun and we interviewed just guys show up after each show we'd interview them for 10-15 minutes or whatever and put on a great show and well it was all really it's all because of you Boris you're the one who made it possible because you filmed and edited it you were amazing on it and you're even a guest on I, I was a guest and i i feel bad because like i was just kind of learning and teaching myself how to video edit and you know years later i would become <laughs> a lot better at it and i wish that you know i could go back in time with this and i'm not like a great video editor now but i'm definitely better than i was and i wish i could go back in time and do those again because i think i could have made them and we could have made them even better than they were but it was a lot of fun it was really cool well that was oh man i think they're really good for their time if you think about it. like we're talking 10 years ago. Yeah, longer, they I didn't think. like that in those days. I think we were ahead of the game. That's the one thing I always thought I was ahead of the curve. And uh, I think you and I were ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. I mean, now you see this stuff all the time, but back in those days, it wasn't common. And I felt like we we were innovative and we put on an entertaining show for the, for the fans. Every time I see uh, uh, Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis on TV, I always think about what good sports they are because they were they, they were like the only kind of outside like name talent that that agreed to do it, and, and they had a lot of fun. And I thought it was really cool that they did that for us. Yeah, they were so up for it, and they were right into it, and they had a lot of fun. It was that was one of the one better episodes for sure too. I have fond memories of those two because they were in the back seat of Kurt's van. Uh, uh, planning their wedding as we were driving between the shows and stuff. Those guys were super cool. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed working. I I got to wrestle her, and then he and he was interfered in the match, so technically I got to wrestle both of them. So, uh, tell me a bit about you. You still have the eagle, right? What was the name of the eagle? PJ. Oh yeah, I still got him. He's on my deck right now, protecting where, my dogs. Where the hell did that thing come from? PJ. Oh well, you know there was a time when I thought maybe my life. I didn't know where my life was going. I didn't know if I was ever gonna. Find a nice lady, or I was lonely, of course. I was lonely living at the Hollywood Dusty Donuts National Park and surrounded by trees. And I didn't really didn't have a pet at the time. And but I was going every weekend wrestling, and I so I couldn't have a lot of responsibilities. So I needed a pet or a person in my life that I didn't have to be around to really look after. So I went to this hardware store and I saw this big bald eagle and i purchased it and really became my pet and we've, we've, we've had a lot of good memories together over the years you've, you've been inseparable you and old bj that's correct uh we're gonna go to your second track and then i've got a bunch more other things that i want to ask you i just keep things keep coming into my head yeah. that, that i want to mention the water hasn't cooled off yet in the bathtub or so you just keep shooting away after the song here Right on. Okay, so the second track you picked is from uh, uh, Pennywise, obviously world-famous punk rock band Pennywise. Track is Unknown Road. Tell me a bit about this one and why you picked it. So Pennywise was this, one of the bands I heard and I just kind of underground and I was like, man, these guys are these guys are pretty good. This was actually the first punk rock CD I ever bought in my life. I remember buying it in a store in the Swift Current Mall at a hockey tournament and maybe PB Hockey at the time and I took it home and I listened to it and I just, Unknown Road was just one of my favorite songs of the punk rock era that, that I was going through at the time and I just loved it and it's still to this day when I hear this song it brings back a lot of memories and I just, I know it kind of gets me goosebumps, I kind of get pumped up. Right on. Alright, this is Pennywise, this is Unknown Road, Omni Punk and Father Ever's Podcast. Content with your surroundings But that's a big sense of accomplishment But when you have to kill Did you get conservative? Think about the youth that pass you by
That is the second track, the second pick from Hollywood. Dusty Adonis, that is Pennywise, that is on Unroad on the Punk and Plotterers podcast. Now, a lot of people know this, but maybe some people may not know. You have a rather substantial uh, wrestling action figure collection. Uh, when did that all start? And just give give us a little overview on all that. Because I've seen some pictures from your... I've never been out to the to the Palatial National Park, but I've seen a lot of pictures, and you've got a lot going on over there. You know, it used to be just a wrestling room, and now it's become my whole wrestling basement. It's uh, oh, it's it's grown a lot. Uh, so when I was about three, I got into wrestling, and my first action figure, the big LJN rubber Greg the Hammer Valentine, was uh, my first figure. And then my cousins were a little bit five years older. They got older, but they gave me all their LJNs, and I just kept getting all the LJNs. And one day they quit making them and went to the Hasbro's. And like I said, I was kind of always a collector and wanted to collect things and i just wanted every wrestler possible and i to this day i still buy them and, and the collection just continues to grow and grow and grow and i pretty much man i have a lot of figures you wouldn't believe it were, and then they would be worth a lot of money as well to this day because nowadays i pretty much keep them all for the most part in the package yeah what's the the uh totally thing have like ballpark how many have you got oh over three thousand. holy shit you had uh, or you had or somebody made a figure of you, did they not? Yeah, the the Lori lady I was talking about. Actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, there's a few figures of me. Uh, Kenny Stryker made figures. Yes, he did. Of, of everybody, and he made one of me as well. So I got a mini one, and then I got one in the package of me, and it's it's quite amazing, actually. Is there anything that's that's rare or, or extra valuable? Have you got the uh, the LGN Hulk Hogan with the white shirt? Oh yeah, I got it. I sold actually. I sold some of my rare ones to Zack Ryder. Oh, so for real? I'm, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of my really expensive rare ones. I just hit him up and we talk on uh, on Twitter, and then he sends me the money and I mail him. He needed a lot of figures that I had, so I sold quite a few to him. Which one specifically? Now I'm interested. Uh, AWA Remco still in the package. Uh, I had a buddy Landell and uh, Doug Summers. Oh, that's super cool. Did he give you a good price for him? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In American money, too, so it was, oh. it was really nice. Even better. All right, now, let's get weird. Do you want to get weird? I don't think I know anything that's normal. All right, let's talk about your penis. I have seen your penis more than any other penis in the history of the professional wrestling business yeah. because you like to stroll around the locker room naked. Why did you do that to me? <laughs> I'm an I'm an expert. I well, you know, I was. I don't know how most people shower, but I've always believed in cleaning your butthole when you shower, and I always would do a handstand in the shower. Maybe some people were just weren't strong enough to do a handstand in the shower, but I always believe that's how you should technically clean your butt. And so that was what I was kind of legendary and synonymous for. Back in the PWA Stampede days. But yes, I like to walk around naked. I believe in a male locker room, there's no reason that a man can't walk around naked and feel comfortable about himself. And I've always felt comfortable my, about myself. I'm not a well-endowed man by any means. But uh, yeah, I think everybody to this day actually thinks, when they think about me, I think they think about me naked. You know what I mean? It's, it's true. Not, yeah, like yourself. Like Brandon Van Danielson texts me all the time. Oh, weird penis stuff. Always related to me. 
Do you still uh, handstand and wash your butthole in the shower to this day? Ah, uh, no. You know, I had too many uh, shoulder injuries in wrestling, and now I unfortunately can't do handstands. So what I did is I bought one of those removable shower things where you could just pop the the thing off and then grab and spray it from the underneath. See, I always considered you a younger guy, but you're not as young as I think you are, are you? Because you're no, in like, I don't, I don't know. I'm 41. Yeah, I was going to say, you're in your 40s now, and I always consider, like, I would have figured you were, like, 35 now or something, so older than I thought. still very handsome like it was in those days, Boris, and I'm still fairly buff. I kind of, you know, the last few months, ever since I won the Blueberry Bash about six months ago, I I became the Blueberry King in uh, St. Wahlberg in my last wrestling show, and uh, I really let myself go eating chips and dip and Drinking expensive scotches and wines. And Guinness in the bathtub. Uh, recently, uh, somewhat recently, you uh, you had a match with uh, Stephen Crow uh, of Love Pro Wrestling. Tell us about, about how that came about and what it was like to work with Stephen. <laughs> you know, that was probably the most random match I've ever had in my life. I just woke up one day on Twitter on a Saturday morning, and I and – because I, I always like to follow the indies. I want to know what's going on all the times in Winnipeg in Calgary and Saskatoon and BC. I want to know all the wrestlers. I want to know what's going on all the time. I love wrestling. And so I fall and I got on and I saw that Stephen Crow became the women's champion. And I was like, what? He's stealing my gimmick. <laughs> and so that day I, I was like, I messaged uh, the, the promoter of RCW, Stephen Styles, And I said, I need to wrestle this guy. And it just, he's like, I need a, uh, we need to go head to head against the Bollywood boys in two weeks. They're, they're wrestling for Can-Am. But you come in and headline the show against Stephen Crow. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I had two weeks to get myself back into wrestling shape. Cause I don't think I'd wrestled in about a year then. And I came in and we wrestled and we had a great match. And he beat me and I cut a nice promo saying the women's divisions in good hands. But I always thought to myself, 20, I think this is what 2021 or 2020. I was like, Two men wrestling for the women's title. That was that was something else. But uh, he did a really good job, and I was I just thought that it was like I was passing the torch to him. I felt like yeah, he's absolutely one of the most popular talents on the roster right now. Uh, do you think you're done, or you got a few more in you? Like I said, every year something pops up, and I just have one match a year. Like I'll never say never. I mean, if something intrigues me, I will do it for sure. I had this huge match last August in St. Wahlberg, Saskatchewan. They called it the Blueberry Bash. And there was a lot of big names on that show, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, and I won this big, they called it the Blueberry uh, Battle Royal. And it was kind of like a Royal Rumble, and I won it. And became their, you become the Blueberry King because their whole town is based around this Blueberry Festival that takes place this weekend. So that's why they called it the Blueberry Bash. And so I had my king year there and I won and I became the king. And, and sometimes I think that they want to bring me back. So I have to wrestle again there. So I don't know, but uh, something special PWA ever had a something or some other people wanted to book me again. And it was something special and uh, you know, the money was right. And I felt, confident and good i could wrestle again yes for sure so you're like dennis stamp on that uh trampoline with the dumbbells bouncing up and down uh you know waiting for the next booking you never know where you're gonna get the call no i'm not that desperate though. That's the 
Um, but one of the the last things I wanted to talk to you about is something that I that that you got that you did that I thought was really really cool, and I was a very very small part of it was uh, the match documentary. Uh, recently, I sat down actually with my girlfriend and 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 showed it to her, and I hadn't watched it in years, and it really I it, it, it I think they did a really really great job with it. Uh, ironically, or I guess not ironically, but. Uh, it was done by uh, some of the same guys who did that Teddy Hart documentary that's on Peacock now. That was all the rage about, you know, a couple of months ago. It was those guys. But uh, tell yeah. me about how that all came about and what you thought of it. I thought they did a really good job. It was uh, it was an amazing thing. So these guys came around and they uh, they what they wanted originally was to create a reality TV show called Prairie Warriors. Yeah, because it didn't really, it kind of morphed into you and, and, and she. Yeah, and so they were trying to get this money in there at PWA, and they filmed a whole bunch of stuff with PWA and and guys doing their regular jobs behind the scenes and whatnot. And and then it, I don't think they could sell it to anyone, or they couldn't, it didn't really work out. I'm not sure what happened. But anyways, uh, Bravo, the channel Bravo had this, this fun, like this, uh, if you... I guess put this video in, they would send this video in, they would sponsor and give you money. And so they had this idea and they sent this idea to Bravo and Bravo gave them $30,000 to film this 15 minute segment and they would put it on their, on their channel. And so, yeah, in my hometown and film me in Eston, working at my job at the time and hanging out with my friends in the bar and working out to the gym and just hanging out the rink. And they went to Sheik Shabazz's. Uh, he was working at the Burger Baron at the time. Yeah, they went down to Lamont to shoot his, his family yeah. Burger Baron. And they, yeah. and they just, you know, he comes from a Lebanese family. So they really tried to make it like they... They called him uh, like his Muslim roots, and they referred to me as like being small town Saskatchewan. I think they, if you look at the poster, it says the redneck versus the Muslim on a cold Saturday. I think, yeah, I think it does. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was kind of what they just two people from two different backgrounds coming together to share the same love of professional wrestling. And we have a match and he's the bad guy and I'm the good guy. And it's a beautiful story and it's on YouTube. It's actually, so, yeah. if you go to your Twitter account, I believe it's still your pinned tweet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Correct, yeah. Uh, 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 Iron Sheik actually makes a really, really quick uh, appearance yep. in that as Iron well. And you make, you're the guy who starts it off. I, I, I'm in the very first scene or shot. I, it's me yelling at Nizar because he's, uh, he swear, I'm shooting, I'm filming a promo for you know the website and stuff that i used to do yep. back then and he he says shit in a promo and i stopped filming and i yell at him you know saying yeah. he can't swear and i had no idea they were behind me until <laughs> until i turned around and i was like oh shit but like that was all a, like you know some of that stuff's kind of you know reality tv and documentaries can be kind of forced a little bit but i had no idea they were even there that was a very legit thing because i would yell at these are or chic all the time for for, oh, for yeah. promos uh, there was a, sorry go ahead I was going to say it was amazing because they sent that to so many different uh, film festivals all over the world. And I think it ended up with like 35 different uh, awards at film festivals in countries all over the world. And we actually, we actually uh, had the, we had a, a red carpet evening in Eston where people could come and watch this for the first time ever and uh, have a supper, a nice supper and watch it live in Eston on like a big screen. And we sold tickets to it and stuff. And it was a big, it was a big function for us. And it was like a kind of like a celebration a lot of ways. 
so it was a really special night for myself as well to have that and then those guys came down and uh talked about it filming me and stuff and it actually i was a backyard wrestler back in the day and it happened to be like 20 years later that i was in this backyard uh, 20 years since i was in this backyard and so i created my own dvd alongside this other guy and we went and re-interviewed all the guys i used to wrestle backyard and took all we filmed all our backyard and we made a documentary as well and we filmed this documentary and we made it into a beautiful show so we filmed that and then uh, and then <laughs> yeah we had that documentary and then we had the, the match as well and it uh, it turned out to be a really nice evening getting to see like my younger days and then how i went on to actually become a real professional wrestler and I think it did win some awards, like nothing major, but like some smaller like film festival awards. And that's a pretty nice feather in your cap, right? Oh, absolutely. My face was seen in so many countries like Germany and Austria. And that's kind of neat to think that somebody was sitting in a theater and saw Sheik and I wrestling in a country somewhere far Flipping away. burgers and stuff. Uh, do you yeah. watch a lot of wrestling now? Oh, nonstop. That's all I do. You actually said we couldn't record this last night because you were watching uh, Dynamite. Uh, what, oh, so what, I, what are you seeing and who are you liking? I love AEW. I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. I, I love it all. Uh, I watch... Well, I watch, every, I watch WrestleMania both nights. I thought that was... Both shows were absolutely fantastic. Yep, I, I thought it. WrestleMania was really good this year, too. I love Cody Rhodes. I know he didn't win. I thought he was good. I was sad, but it didn't happen. I love Gunther. I love Matt Riddle. I love uh, the Sami Zayn story. The Bloodline story is amazing. I watched ROH, the new ROH. I'm really impressed with that. Uh, I love Eddie Kingston. I think he's amazing. Uh, I love Brian Danielson. I love I love that last match with him and MJF at Revolution. I think that was one of the best pay-per-views of all time. I watch wrestling every day, Boris. That's Beautiful. all I do. A man after my own heart. You have a child now, too, do you not? I do. Journey Bellmeyer. She's about just over one and a half now and trying to get her into wrestling. But uh, she's not quite as big as fam yet, but uh, it'll grow on her. What's it like to be a dad? Oh, it's a lot of work, Boris. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I uh, know. It's, you know, it was, I was 40, 39 when I became a dad. And it was, it was, uh, I was always about me growing up. Everything was about me. Life was about me. And then all of a sudden I had a baby and it was just a huge adjustment. And, but it's the most rewarding thing. Awesome. Um, is there anything else you want to say to, to uh, new fans, old fans, wrestling fans in general? I always wonder, like, I watch all these wrestling and guys are always like, I see all these new wrestlers and love wrestling and top talent and RCW. And, and I always, I'm like, it's, it seems like fans evolve over the years. And sometimes I just wonder if people remember the good old days or like, are these guys now the guys that watched me growing up? And I'm like, I always wondered if I left legacy or if Hollywood Dusty Adonis name has ever 
talked about anymore or if I'm just a, a fallen star that nobody knows anymore. Sometimes I wonder about that sometimes. So I don't know. I just, if there's anybody out there listening who's never heard of Hollywood, Dusty Dawn, I think if you ask a guy like Michael Richard Blaze or some other guys who are wrestling still to this day about me, I'd just like to know what they thought. And because uh, I always thought I left a good legacy, and I just wonder if people, if people still think about the guys of the, the yesteryears. Because I still think about the the Duke Durangos and the Chris Steels and the guys I grew up wrestling with, the Juggernauts and the Apocalypses and the TJ Wilsons, and I, and I just wonder if people still think about the guys who grew up in my generation, the Phoenix Taylors and the Dandy Dans and the Ravenous Randys and the Marky Marks and the Gamma Sings and the Big Rajas. Well, I you think know. I can I can give you a little bit of an answer to that, and I can tell you that it absolutely does because, uh, like in my involvement in, in love wrestling over the past year, which I've loved, uh, I'm having a great time doing what I'm doing. A lot of these young kids that are starting to wrestle for love, uh, you know, I've had some of them on the podcast, and I've just talked to them at the shows, and they all say that they used to come to those PWA shows, and it's definitely an influence on on a lot of the younger Alberta talent. I can give you that for sure. Well, that's good. That's good to know. I just want to know that I made a difference and not just in the wrestling ring, but behind the scenes too, as a good person, I just want to be known as a good person in the ring and out of the ring. You know, I think that's the most important legacy I'd like to leave in the wrestling business. Fantastic. Uh, Where can we find you on the old social medias? You know, uh, I wasn't much of a social media guy for a while, but I kind of just got back on the Twitter. I'm at the real HDA and I just got back on Facebook. Uh, it's Dustin Meyer, my real life name, but uh, no, I don't do the Instagram or the Snapchat or anything else. Those are the only two places you can find me on the uh, social media. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for uh, taking some time to hang out with me. Uh, every so often you just drop me a text out of nowhere and just ask me how I'm doing and throw a bunch of extra B's and words. And it always makes me smile. So I appreciate you, sir. I, you know, Boris, I've always been, I've always felt that you've done so much behind the scenes and I don't ever think that you get enough credit. And uh, I just want you to know that you've always been appreciated in my life. You've done a lot for me in my wrestling career and i'm very happy to get to be on your podcast i've listened to so many episodes and the fact that you actually get to ask me to be on was a was a real blessing in my life so thank you a blessing with three b's (laughs) it should have been done a a lot sooner um i'm working on something uh really cool for next week i don't want to say just in case you know technical or scheduling things uh don't happen but stay tuned for that we are going to go out. I was going to go on a big political tangent at the end of the podcast. I've been planning on it all week, but I'm kind of humming and hawing about it, and I've decided to change my mind, and I'm not going to do it. Um, maybe I will next week. We'll see. I've got I've got feelings on things that are not wrestling-related at all that are really bothering me, but I've decided I'm just going to zip it for now. Uh, we are going to go out to brand new music from the Dead Milkmen. Epic, yes. epic punk rock band. The Dead Milkmen have a new single out uh, that just came out, I think, yesterday or today. Uh, I was a big Spoken uh, Banana Peels fan back Spoken Banana Peels sounds like this. Uh, the song is called uh, Grandpa's Not a Racist. He just voted for one. Uh, <laughs> it's a brand new single that came out today, and I believe it is from a forthcoming full-length album that should be coming out soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. I thank you again, Mr. Dusty Adonis. Enjoy the Dead Milkman, and we will talk to you guys all next week. They're coming for his Jesus. They're coming for his gun. They're coming for his Jesus. They're coming for his gun. They're coming for his Jesus. They're coming for his gun.
grandpa's not a racist, he just voted for one. Who could ever replace you? Do you know race grandpa? You see one every day. He wonders why the N word something he's not allowed to say. Although he's the worst person.